0: Hello welcome to the Mick Clifford Podcast with the Irish Examiner. Will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64? So sang the Beatles half a lifetime ago as Paul McCartney looked into the far distant future. Well, the future has arrived for Paul who's still going strong into his 80s, but arrives for all of us and a growing question in society is how best to live our best into old age. One critical feature of older living is housing. And my guest today has some really good ideas about that. Not radical by international standards, in fact, pretty normal in most developed societies. But unfortunately, it is radical for this country. Pat O'Mahony spent his working life in education and now in retirement, he has written a thoroughly researched and enlightening book called Rethinking Housing Options for Senior Citizens, Retirement Villages in Every Irish Community. This, fox is really interesting territory for anybody who's heading for retirement or who has elderly parents or relatives, and for everybody who has the foresight to look into the future, even if they have still a fair bit of their race to run in their working lives. How best do we manage the late years in terms of quality of life and how can we make things better? Patrick, very welcome to the podcast podcast. I suppose before we get into the meat of your whole, you, what's become a passion for you, I think it's fair to say, mm-hmm. a bit of background from yourself. You're from, where in County Cork? I'm you from? from Innescara. You're from Innescara. Innescara, and Innescara in County Cork. Grew up there and went to school. Grew there. up there,
1: went to school, um, did a degree in agricultural science, I suppose to be quite honest. I, I considered being a priest. Which I think a lot of people of my generation did. Absolutely. And you know, being an agricultural advisor was kind of like the same. You were you were ministering to yeah. to the flock in a different kind of way. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, I I did the degree, and then when I when when I had finished it, the VEC rang. They didn't ring because we had no phone. We had no water actually. not a mind phone, and um, they um, they asked me would I teach in Kish Game of all places in Sean Moylan's old house in a small little vocational school and I never look back in terms of the life I've had was has been magnificent because I enjoyed teaching I don't know why anybody would whinge about the career sadly so many do but but to me it was brilliant I went in to meet my friends every day for six or seven hours I couldn't speak too highly of, of, of teaching as a profession.
0: And, and it took you to Australia at one stage?
1: It did. It took me to Australia. And uh, there I went uh, again. I got a, a job at the local Catholic diocese. And then in, I went... In Melbourne or Sydney? Or? In in Newcastle, in oh, the country you, Valley, yeah. where the best wines Wales, come yeah. from. Where the best wines in the world yeah. come from, right? Uh, and um, got on very well there, enjoyed my time immensely there. And then I went into further education. Well, I I used to do a bit of work with the university as well. And um, Dr. Brian Smith took me under his wing and he liked me and he said, you must apply for this. And I applied for this. And I took over as kind of a director of further education for a large area in in that part of New South Wales. And that went very well. And then we came back to Ireland and, you know, I (laughs) what I wanted was a, a small little local job, you know. I I had this vision of going down to the local pub at night and having a a pleasant chat and so on. But life, Ireland had moved on, quite frankly. And uh, so I. And you you were involved in
0: education when you came back here? I was, I was, I was. was, For for a number of years. Yeah, Yeah. And getting on to the whole area of uh, retirement villages yep. and that, yep. and you, you mentioned, I think, I don't know if it's an epiphany, but you mentioned your daughter now living out in Australia when you are yep. out there and, and she, she had twins and it yep. struck you about their uh, expected lifespan. Well, yes, but
1: I suppose it was before... Th- I mean, I saw the retirement village in Australia 40-odd years ago, right? And I thought this is a great idea. No, I wasn't old enough, but I thought it was a good idea. And... Um, And then I had another look at it. And then I thought, look, I could see as I was getting older and other people were getting older and people were living in very, very difficult circumstances in many instances. And I thought, why don't we do something about it? You know, and so I sat down and wrote the book and uh, kind of self-published it before COVID. And then, of course, I could do nothing because of COVID, you know. But I I guess I think that there are huge, well, well, first of all, you know, our society is ageing by the day. Longevity is the name of the game. My two granddaughters, the week they were born in Australia, the Australian media carried a story to say the girls born this year have a life expectancy of 105, right?
0: They never realised it advanced to that point.
1: 105, right? Now, Paul Keating, the former Prime Minister of Australia with Irish descendants who I would have known, Paul would have also been arguing that something dramatic needs to be done to address the aging uh, issue. And if we don't, we condemn those that age in the future to pretty difficult, lonely, isolated, um, low quality lives. Right. So I suppose that's where 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 my ideas came from. You know, and I saw the thing operating in Australia, I looked at it very carefully. I suppose when I talk about retirement villages, I am not talking about nursing homes. Yes. People think I am. And when I've said it to members of my own family, they go, I don't want to live in a nursing home. And, and I think they think that I'm saying they must live in a nursing home, you know? Yes. <laughs> and there are a few people I might. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but, but anyway, so they're not nursing homes. They really are communities. So tell us about the Australian model. OK. The Australian model, 13% of Australians... And 13% of New Zealanders, something like 17% of people in the United States, live in retirement villages. Now, these retirement villages are uh, the churches and the Returned Servicemen's League, and a lot of voluntary bodies develop them. But by and large, they are developed by large corporations, large... um, Property corporations like Stockland and Lendleys, right? And the average size of villages in Australia is about 110 homes, right? But they are places where people who are hale and hearty live independent lives in every respect, but they are in the centre of communities, local to where everything is happening. You know, they're near their friends, they're near their interests, um, and they're near public transport, they're near near hospitals, near nursing homes, near shopping centres, near pubs and restaurants and so on like that. So that as they age and they grow frail, they can go to everything they went to when they were less frail and more able.
0: And when you talk about a village, I about 110 homes, what kind of services, retail outlets, that kind of thing would you have in a well, village well? As some well?
1: some of the villages are so large that they have their own pub, restaurant. A workup, that kind of thing, yeah. right? They would have a gym. They would have social space. They would have reading rooms. Uh, you know, and and it, swimming pools, swimming pools, invariably in in anything that's of any size that ever swimming.
0: Pool. When you say a size patch, so mm. and would they, the size when you say size for those kind of services, and as well the abodes themselves, the houses would like be a small home for a, a single person or mm, married couple. No, couples.
1: no. Look, there would be no. Off the top of my head, I would say eleven, twelve hundred 1,200 square feet. Two-bedroom, two-bedroom, two-bedroom. But there could be other sizes as well, right? And there are a variety of models, right? So it's not just one one size fits all, right? And you might get uh, one in a resort area. You might get one near, say, even a um, horse racing kind of area. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. A golf club. But a lot of them would be nearer to the centre of communities where they would have ready access to, to all the things that people want to have access to. And, you know, if you look at Ireland, for example, only 47% of people over 75 drive regularly. 47%. Right. Just now,
0: under half, that's, yeah. that's a sobering thought, you know. It is, particularly when you're such a scattered population, particularly in rural Ireland, it can be very life-limiting then.
1: Yeah. And I see these retirement villages as not something that you'd build in rural Ireland or in urban Ireland, but in every yeah. community. Like, for example, if you look at, you probably don't know it, but Cross is a village in West Clare, right? Right. Uh, it's a small village. Now, I would see the need for one there. It would be quite small. It would have a lot less facilities than one would have in Dublin 4, say, for example. But it would allow people, as they get older... To move from their homes, four or five miles out in the countryside, into this, be close still to their friends, to the local pub, to the local church, to the local whatever it is that they're, they're the football club, and it would also then allow young families to form in the homes that they left. You see, and that one of the big things about about the retirement village model that I propose is that. It doesn't cost anything. And again, when I mentioned uh, my idea about retirement villages to people, uh, even my own family, they go, but we couldn't afford it. It's great idea, but we couldn't afford it. The country is 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 strapped for cash. Yeah, i we'll
0: come to the cost and to deal with that in a minute. was right. just, just getting a, an overview of the thing again. All right. Like, for instance, you're, you're living in Newbridge, County Kildare. Let's yeah. just take that. Big, yeah. big provincial town, yeah. effectively. Yeah. For argument's sake, say we were talking about one designed for Newbridge. Would you, for example, put it, for instance... A, a large site at the outskirts of town, a, a town like that, or just for argument's if sake, if I say, could, yeah,
1: I wouldn't go near the outside of town. Right, you, you, I'd you, go you near go the inside send, of town. Right, yeah. Now, yeah. by the way, as a matter of interest, there is an exemplar very close to us here. Right, because Nace has Macaulay yes. Place. Yes, Macaulay Place is an old convent uh, that was done up to provide fifty-three single bed. Uh, homes I won't call them apartments I call them homes right now that's it's nearly 20 years ago I think when it was done it was done because there was a woman Marguerite Solon who was the driving force the nuns were interested the minister the first minister for elderly people in Ireland or whatever the terminology was was Anya Brady one of the Kitt family from up the road in Clane she was the minister so she was able to connect the funds in as well right and they developed this and it has been a success. Could we do better today? I think we possibly could. We can think we know an awful lot more today. Now, Macaulay Place is looking at extending that to 93 more homes. 93 more it's homes. By multiple, double, d-
0: d- trebling
1: the, yeah. the size. and that is in Nace with 25,000 people. Newbridge has 24,000 plus. So I'm saying we're looking at the same numbers, yes. if you like. And that's only touching the surface because a lot of the people there, the people in Macaulay Place are by and large renting, if I understand the thing correctly, right? I'm saying there is room for that, but there's also room for a development that allows homeowners like me or you in 50 years time (laughs) to sell our homes. (laughs) And go in and buy a home yes. in the village. And then, when we leave it, in whatever way we leave it, um, we sell it.
0: And, no, you mentioned Macaulay Place in Nace. And that's what struck me when I first came across you, you, your, your book, Pat, and, and, and your ideas. And they, they are fascinating. Right. That's the thing that came into my mind. Because I heard about that place. It must have been 10, 15 years ago, possibly, yeah. when it was relatively new. And I remember it was featured in television. And you know what struck me when I thought about it? That is such an excellent idea. Mm. But as you said, it's 20 years old. Where has it been replicated and why not?
1: A good question. And I've
0: been talking now to
1: some people on the board at the moment about exactly that kind of an idea, however it might be done. And that that is instanced, referenced in a whole range of government strategies, but they did nothing to make it happen. And again... It doesn't cost money to make it happen because I will simply, as I said, sell my home and buy one. The person in social housing, if they're moving, they will simply move from one social house to the other. And whether it's from social house or the homeowners involved, uh, we will release homes to house young families, which are desperately needed. And because something like 30 percent of people over 65 live alone. 60% of people over 80 leave alone. If you have one person moving out of their home, that provides a home for maybe two, three, four, as the case may be. So there are whole synergies involved here. I don't understand why why the state doesn't get involved. It's beyond me. I think the state has this laissez-faire attitude. Um, There's a raft, I won't go into them, but I could name them, and they're listed in my book. Of uh, strategies like there's the policy statement of 2019, there's a, a, a strategy document of 2013, there's there's housing for all, uh, there's there's every county's local development plan which was released in the last 12 months, and every one of them refer to the need to do something, but it's kind of a wish list because it says they will support, encourage, facilitate people to, as they say. They, they they were using the word downsize in a big way right yeah. but they had nothing to downsize and it for older people it's not a move, matter of moving from a small ho- big house to a small house it's matter of moving to a house that is appropriately located at the center of things that is designed to accommodate my needs as i grow frail do, do, do you see that is 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 fitted for assistive technology, which has the capacity to extend our independent living immeasurably. Uh, you know, so it's, I, I don't think they grasp it. They're saying, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's. I'm totally puzzled by, I think if you don't do something to get things to happen, they won't happen no matter how much we wish for them to happen. It, it,
0: it's, it's that... Um that thing, political will and somebody pushing it with a personal agenda, a personal uh, wish to bring it forward. I think that in an instant like this, it would strike me that what you're talking about there is a, an individual politician who takes this by the scruff of the neck and decides they're going to make their mark with it. If you don't have that, as you said, the system can eat it up. But a few things that strike okay. me immediately about it, and you look at things like uh, health from that point of view, your 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 access to healthcare, uh, security, quite obviously, and a huge thing that would strike me is the whole area of socialisation. Now, we all like our own space, and if you have your own uh, place inside the community, you can have as much space as you want, but equally, you can have much access to people as you want, which is very different from people living particularly in rural Ireland and as you say, particularly when you're limited by uh, scenarios such as no longer using a car or anything like that.
1: But not just people in rural Ireland. There are as many people who live lonely lives in urban Ireland as in rural Ireland. And just as a matter of interest, I don't think it's appreciated because you see, those who lead our country and those who are in the permanent government, which really are the people that really are the people who make things happen in our society, um, they don't, they, it's too distant from them. Do you follow? They're remote from that experience, right? But um, uh, in in Australia at Monash University, a researcher by the name of Neves uh, did a bit of work around loneliness and the impact of loneliness. And she said she found that for many people living in nursing homes, right? And you'd think no, yeah, they'd be okay. Congregated setting, but like yeah. She says the the finding was loneliness is worse than any health issues. They feel devalued, forgotten, rejected and abandoned. And I'd say the people in the individual homes out there as well that are elderly and can't get around are in the same boat. Many of them cry themselves to sleep at night. Loneliness, she said, entails immense emotional suffering, increased risk of depression and mental and physical decline. And all of these things can be measured through blood tests and other tests, right? So anything older people can do together is a benefit. And I'm saying that one of the first approaches to resolving this is to create these villages so people live where in, in, you can call them congregated settings, whatever you used to call them, but they're at the centre of communities, close to family, friends, interests, and so on. To know what's really happening, subscribe to the Irish Examiner today at Irishexaminer.com forward slash subscribe.
0: Burroughs furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Borough's Memorial Day sale at borough.com slash ACAST. That's borough.com slash ACAST. borough.com slash ACAST. Has there been any research done in terms of the well-being of people living in retirement villages?
1: Yes, there has. And my look, I, to summarise it, I think the general view would be that Australians live better quality lives in retirement villages than their competitors in in places like Ireland. That's my understanding, right? But but it's not just a matter of bricks and mortar. You must do something to ensure that the quality of life works. Do you follow? The bricks and mortar are necessary. The location is critical, but there are a whole host of other things that you, that you, that, that you need to Such do. Such as? Um, for example, they need to be designed appropriately, right? Uh, I suppose... Like when it comes to what the state needs to do, in in Australia, the operation of uh, retirement villages governed by statute since the nineties, and that stat those statutes in every state were updated in the last ten years because there were shonky practices, right? Um, and when you say that there were sharp practices, did you say Patrick? yes, 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 I, in terms of contracts and all that kind right. of stuff, you know, right? So there is a real need to protect the interests of all the actors in the village but we know the design that works and we can literally pull it off the shelf internationally we know this the legislation and regulation that works we can do exactly the same thing and yet in the documents that this our state has published they're constantly uh, this is kind of almost uh, the way everything goes they're looking for more research more, and some of the yeah. research that they suggest, we have it. I have. I, I have. I have all the information. Like for example, we know that fifteen percent of people in Ireland, and indeed that's a figure right across the developed world, fifteen percent of people in their sixties and beyond would seriously consider uh, retirement village models. Now, everything is subject to the quality of the the product being right. I I, I accept that, but 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 we know. Um, for example, we know what. Oh, and by the way, I, t- I mentioned before, I think to you that in UCC, they found that 63% of people living in rural Ireland over 65 would seriously consider retirement villages. 63%. That's a big, yeah, yeah. Like that's the uh, Department of Applied Social Studies. I haven't seen it published. I attended the webinar that they had to, to announce the, the results. But as I said, you know, so many live, live alone. Um, most most older people do no longer live near sons and daughters. Then the UCC research: many older people in Ireland don't feel safe in their home or their locality.
0: That's a huge thing. Like and that's... many
1: older people stay awake at night.
0: Yeah, I mean that's waiting
1: for something to happen. Yeah, and there is no option for them. And I know they might say, "I don't want to leave my home," but if they knew that there was a product out there. There was an option out there that was really attractive and still kept them in their community because research also shows that when people say they want to stay in their home, when you dig deeper, it's not the home. It's the locality. It's the closeness to the things they know and like and
0: love. So, right. for instance, in, in, in that vein, you'd be talking about, and we know like the phenomenon, we're from an agrarian society gone back a while, and also in terms of planning in this country, the phenomenon of one-off houses and scattered throughout the countryside. But what you're saying is that and, and we also know that people naturally, particularly at later stage of life, are reluctant to leave the home they've lived in all their lives. But the point you're making, I think, Pat, is that taking all of that into account, if they're moving into, for example, the next town, the nearby town where there was a retirement village, they would not feel displaced oh, no. in the way that they might otherwise that, would.
1: That is what I take from the research. And that is what others who have commented on the research have found also when they dig a little bit deeper. Just interestingly, in Australia, and I can understand this because you can see where my house is, it's kind of quite isolated, I suppose, in a way. That they surveyed 12,000 people living in retirement villages in Australia. And the number one thing they said in favour of the retirement village was the emergency call button is your friend. As one lady said, I turn over in the bed at night, I see the slit in the door. And I know that if I press it, my little button beside the bed, there'll be somebody with me at any time of the day or night. Yeah. So it gives me
0: colossal security, right? It's, it, it appears to have that combination of your privacy, your space, yes. but at the same time, yes. your access to everything you need, yes. particularly at that stage of and, life. And another, just a couple of other
1: bits of research. A third of older people feel their home negatively impacts on their quality of life. A third. And many of those feel it impacts quite seriously. Another piece is one in two over 50 report poor housing conditions, leaks, damps, heating, pests, etc. We know from research that many are not planning for their future housing needs at all, right? They're just going to see what happens, right? And then by the time... They get, begin to get frail. It's too late for them to do it. In Australia, for example, moving to a retirement village early rather than late. And by early, I'm talking about kind of mid-60s, maybe. Maybe like you can go into a retirement village in Australia at 55, is deemed to be more positive because the view is that by the time you get frail or a partner passes on, you have a support network yes. and you're totally at home, right? Um and th- this figure, I think, is quite astounding in a sense. One in 10 men and one in 20 women over 52, over 52, do not have a supportive relationship. Right. Uh, no, that's Irish research. So I would argue that we actually have
0: the research. Um, OK, and tell me then, just to move on briefly, the, um, the finances of it. Uh, for, for people moving in now not okay. to finance a billion okay. but for well, people look, moving in now. if it's a social a house kind of a it's a social instance. house yeah. obviously social house obviously, that's so not so an issue but
1: yeah. in Australia you can either buy or lease and there are a, there are other cases where you actually put in a certain amount of money and take that money out when you leave you follow you give them uh, the right to use your money for free for the time you stay there so the, there are all sorts of little ways in which which the thing has worked but of course, because they're providing the swimming pool, the gym, yep. the social space, the security, the health care, maybe the ho- you know the home care um and all those other backup services. there is money that has to be paid for it so one model goes like this: you pay on top of buying the place you pay. of the selling price for every year that you live there. So if your house is sold for 400,000 Australian dollars, there's an annual charge on top of 12,000.
0: Right.
1: If you live there for 10 years, that's 120,000. And if your next of kin inherit, they're going to inherit 400,000 less 120. Now, you might say to me, isn't that an awful cost? And I say... What price do we put on a quality of life? And it's not just a quality of life of the of the older person. It's the quality of life of those who care for them, who worry day and night about them, but can do nothing about it. And I know loads of people are hearing off to Kerry and Roscommon and Mayo at the weekends, despite having very busy work schedules and young families to see if mom's all
0: right, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, no, there's no question in the world. It seems, it, it, it seems a no-brainer. By um, the way, just, um, you know, we know
1: also in research that isolation impacts health and well-being. And we know that loneliness can increase the propensity for coronary disease and strokes by nearly a third, by nearly a third. We also know <laughs> that those who retire at 60 as compared with 65 have a higher Incidence of Alzheimer's because their minds are active for longer?
0: Sorry, those who retire at 60? At 60 as compared with those. 65 have who a higher. Those who
1: retire at 65 have a higher incidence because their minds
0: aren't working. At the same For level, as long. For, for, for as, as, as long. long. Right? Yeah, yeah. And well, we know so, I can say, so, Pat, is <laughs> the way things are these days, and even thinking in my own situation, Yeah. the, the, the state of pensions be lucky to be retiring no, at all. Really but and yeah, we, but I take your point. And
1: by the way, with Alzheimer's also we know that people who are involved in disputation within the family our with neighbours they have a lower incidence of Alzheimer's. <laughs>
0: They've become preoccupied. I know, because they're I mean, occupied. I mean, you, 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 you could have arguments over that scenario too. <laughs> but um, in the broader sense, in terms of finance, Pat, and let's, let's take let's stick with Australia briefly. Yeah. Is it generally private developments that do this and then get their, 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 their return on investment over a yes. very long term, yes. as opposed to the state? I suppose it's like your apartment block,
1: you know, where you yeah. have your management body, but they're the promoters, kind. if yes. you like, right? Yeah, And it's Lendlease and Stockland are the two big, big companies in Australia who do it, right? And definitely they would be interested in coming to Ireland and doing it. I know, for example, that Tetrault Properties have employed somebody, an Irishman who worked in the retirement sector in Australia for a number of years to try and develop it in Ireland. But, but I understand that they found that it has been quite challenging because our planning doesn't quite facilitate it. Do you follow what I'm saying? There's no specific planning model effectively there for this type there of development. development. And I'm arguing the things the state needs to do is, number one, make a specific provision in its planning guidelines and practice to allow, facilitate, encourage, whatever you wish to call it, the development of retirement. Village. God,
0: you would have thought that, you, you, you have that. was something that should have been in place.
1: No, and and I'm told by different people, I, by the way, I sent a copy of my book to every TD, every, senator, every TD, every counselor, yeah. Every counsellor. And the counsellors, I found, actually really good. I thought they were more in touch in many ways with their their electorate, and many of them said to me, because I spoke to many of them, that they knew loads of older people, individuals and couples, living on their own, who owned their own home, who had a few bob in the bank, weren't poor, and they said, were living in very, very difficult circumstances, because there was no option for them to do anything else.
0: Yeah, and and in the context of, and I I lived in Australia for a while myself, and there's no doubt they they have um, attitudes towards community and welfare that perhaps you wouldn't get in places like the US, for instance, or or maybe the UK or places like that. They'd be more attuned to us in in some ways in that respect. But that brings us back, if we're so big on community as we appear to think we are or whatsoever, that we're not putting the emphasis... And the work into ensuring that that element of community people at that stage of life, that this tailor-made system in whatever way you want to do it, is not in place for them. I know. I, I just
1: don't think the people who really matter, and that is, I think, the permanent government, appreciate where things are going.
0: But they must all have elderly. Um, they must all, they all have parents. They all know. Do you know what I mean? They, I know, they, they, I, there's something there's something wrong
1: that is. I, I think there's a feeling in Ireland. I remember a public servant in Australia saying to me when I was trying to get something done one time, he said, oh, he said, you know, we're about creeping incrementalism, Pat, nothing radical here. Creeping, creeping, creeping incrementalism. He, said. he was a, a, a principal officer in, in the Department of Education. And I think we have that. We tend to think also, you know, that things have to be done very slowly. But sometimes you have to make these these leaps forward, as it were. You know, I yeah, I, yeah. I, I think and and I, I think we, we just don't 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 understand that. And as a consequence, we we don't seem to see we, we tend to think, I think, when it comes to housing, that things will be in the future as they all as they are now. And as they always were. And that is not the way the world, like we have social change, which is dictating change in other areas. For example, when I was young, I was brought up in a multi-generational household. There was old people, young people. There was always somebody in the house to mind somebody. That day is gone. Now we accept that the childcare, the, the creche, the whatever you call it, is essential in every community. And our planners ensure that there is provision for that. What we haven't seen is the other side of the coin, that the older people that were looked after by these people who lived, who stayed at home and minded the house, have nobody and
0: no connections and isolation. Absolutely. And the quote at the start of your book, I think it really is really relevant from uh, a UK all-party parliamentary body that looked into it. It was by, I don't know, she an MP, Baroness Valerie Howard, And she says, we need as much attention paid to the last time buyer as to the first-time buyer. And I think that is really something that needs to be rammed home. The other thing that strikes me, and this perhaps is more to do with provincial or rural Ireland rather than the cities, Pat, and that is the phenomenon we've seen, particularly in the last 10 to 20 years, of towns and villages being hollowed out and people are not living there anymore. I mean, apart from anything else, this type of thing would bring huge life back To that element of urban Ireland. Absolutely.
1: And like you walk down the streets of Newbridge or I was walking down the streets of Carsevine the other day. uh, But any town and you see nobody in house after house, business after business, there is potential there. I think the state has to get off its rear end and intervene and do something about that. Um, Because we've despoiled our urban landscape or our town centre village centre landscape and it was totally avoidable now there are issues there with compulsory purchase for example i would advocate that there is a need for compulsory purchase but in the context of also zoning right to zone these areas where nobody is ever going to work in again or live in again unless we do something dramatic about it for retirement living areas but just apparently there are 70 pieces of legislation governing compulsory purchase. Many of those pieces of legislation go back to the 19th century, right? 70 pieces of legislation. I mean, what are law reform commissions and so on doing that we haven't addressed that? You know, it's... it's, And then, apparently, between 2012 and 2019, only half of all local authorities used compulsory purchase to acquire derelict are abandoned homes, only half in that seven-year period. So we're not being proactive yeah. in looking at that issue. But there are, I suppose, I jump straight away into things like convents, monasteries, uh, large public buildings, even old pubs, because pubs are closing down by the new time and they have potential as well. So, uh, but again, you need the zoning, I think, to do it. And the state, instead of spending money, it just has to put infrastructure in place, the legislation in place, the planning in place, the zoning in place, the standards for these uh, buildings and centres, they need to put them in place as well.
0: What would strike me as well, just in terms of the the, the, the model, um And, you know, things like incentives for developers are touchy subjects because we've seen where things have gone astray in the past. We've seen how it's been abused, etc. However, in this instance, if you're talking about a financial model and particularly in terms of how you set out to do it in Australia in relation to the family home and that and, 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 and the percentages that are involved and the cultural change that would be involved in that. Uh, notwithstanding, there's an element in, in things like the fair deal scheme as well, but there would be a cultural change involved, an element of that. So you'd be talking about if somebody from the private sector wants to get in, wanted to get involved, I would imagine they would require a fair bit of incentive because there would be a huge element of risk initially in doing it because it's something so new. Yeah, And because if you're building a
1: village... You can't sell a single home in the village until the village is completed and you have the infrastructure put in as well. So one of the things there would be simple to underwrite those developments, provided they're done in accordance with law and standards and all the rest, so that the developers can borrow the money. Because the big difficulty talking to developers is it is not possible to borrow the money to do this kind of development. I know people who have done them and they've done them because they had the money. So that is a huge issue. And, you know, we had the same with, with apartments, remember, because we brought the REITs in, do you remember? Yes. And if we didn't have them, notwithstanding all the criticisms, we'd have no apartments. So like we have to think uh, outside the box, I think in this, and that would be one way I would see that it could be done. Also, I think to do some pilot projects so that we can see how they work and um, And we have, in Newbridge, we have a monastery that was bought by money from the Department of Housing. It's housing Ukrainians now. Fine. I have no issue with that. That's great. But I think it is on the banks of the river, by the bridge, near a wonderful linear park, which is these kinds of outdoor recreational nature pieces are also vital. You know, you can't have it just a concrete box, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's ideally placed, and I did speak to the minister about it, and the minister was very positive about that kind of development. I'm now told, well, it's got a zoning which isn't quite in line, yeah. right? Easy to change, but will it be changed? It would present real challenges for somebody to do the change, you know? So I, I, I think definitely the developers need to be incentivized. Also, I tend to think you probably need to incentivize older people as well, right? Yes. And I think that can be done in a number of ways. Um, for example, bridging finance is one thing. So that if I want to sell my house here, I shouldn't have to sell it before I buy and move in above. Do you follow? Yes. In in the retirement village. So there, it should be, and I'm told the banks run a mile from bridging finance. Now, again, we have state banks, literally a number of them. And I see no reason why this cannot be facilitated very simply. Um, I think if I sell my home here and I get a, a surplus over and above what I need to buy the retirement village home, that money, that surplus should not in any way impact negatively on my pension entitlements. Yes. Do you follow? That's another an, another kind of thing. They might, in fact, for example, there are all sorts of grants and aids available to people who need to adapt their house because they've become frail or whatever the case may be. All those kinds of grants should be available to those who develop the retirement villages because what it is, is proactivity in terms of ensuring
0: that what is needed is there when it's needed. Yes. Am I making sense? You are absolutely. Another thing that strikes me about it, you just wonder, I mean, it's like so many aspects of government in this country we're apparently good at reacting when there's an emergency. You see the likes of the pandemic, the likes of the war in Ukraine. We've actually, in respect for what people think, I think we've reacted well in those kind of instances. But when you're talking about something here that benefits long-term living, yet is not considered to be an immediate problem, and use that word in inverted commas, is it a question that the kind of initiative that's required the permanent government and, and the political will, it doesn't seem to, um, to click as fast at all.
1: Yeah, we tend to kind of react to crises. And then if you said, well, if we don't do this, we'll have a crisis in five years' time. And people go, five years' time, I'll be retired in three. Or I'll be gone out of the department. You know, there's that kind... Of, I, I feel there isn't... I feel in, maybe in public life today and and I would kind of almost exonerate the, the politicians to a certain degree, quite honestly. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there is that generosity of spirit, you know, that there was probably at the foundation of the state where people put their shoulder to the wheel and, you know, did what needed to be done to build a new country. I don't know how we engender this again. You know, I grew up in the time when Kennedy said, you know, Uh, ask not what your country can do for you but what you can do for your country sadly despite our education and our wealth and our opportunities I don't see that and I don't know how we address it but I'm afraid that unless we do we will all be the losers because when it comes to elderly we will all be old if we're fortunate enough to live long enough
0: Absolutely. I have to say, Pat, there's um, massive food for thought here in terms of public policy and in terms of an area, and and you've set it out very well, that does not get anywhere near the attention that it requires and irrespective of how it may appear on the surface, requires urgently, I think, one way or the other. Rethinking housing options for older people, retirement villages in every Irish community. Pat O'Mahony, thank you very much for talking to us today. Thank you very much, Mike. That's it for today, folks. Um, This is a story that is going to go on and on and we can only hope that it is addressed sooner rather than later because inevitably it will be addressed sometime. It's just how long are we going to have to wait? Thanks very much for listening, everybody. I'd also like to thank, as always, our engineer, JJ Vernon. And we're going to see you again soon. All the best.